Hello, we're here this morning with Rosa and Nacelle and Dan, and I'm Shannon. Today, we're going to be talking about value. Hi, I'm Nacelle Contreras, and I'm a second-year PhD student in rhetoric and writing, and I currently teach a writing one-on-one class. I'm Rosa Tobin. I'm a second-year master's student in digital rhetoric and professional writing. <laughs> so uh, we've started all of our conversations out with um, this idea around value. Um, and obviously, we're talking about education, but I would love to kind of pose the question to you guys first. When you hear the word value, what do you think about? And, and completely outside of education. So if I, some random person comes up to you and is like, hey, how would you define value? Or what do you think of when I say the word value? What kind of comes to your mind really quickly? Um, I think it depends on the context. Like, I feel like there would be, like, one additional, like, something else to give me a context clue as to what <laughs> values they were referring to. Because when I sit here, like, I have, I think, like, three spheres of that. Like, there's values and, like, monetary, right, under capitalism. There's also value is in just like values that I hold, right? Or that are held by communities or by space. Um, and then value is in like, what is like the, it can be aside from like monetary value, right? But like, what is the value of an action? Uh, fill in the blank, right? Like, what does it bring to the space? What additional texture does it add? So like, those are the three spheres. And then I think that would get narrowed down for me based off of the context of what was um how it was presented i watched a watercolor video last night so i heard value and i immediately thought of color oh i love that like, okay. <laughs> way more that sounds awesome yeah just what do i think of value on a friday morning um so i don't know now that i'm i'm thinking in terms of uh uh, well, I'm diverting from the question of color and value because I'm still a novice and don't really know how to explain it just yet. I can only tell you I watched the video that talked about value <laughs> and color. Um, but when I think of like value currently, just because I, I, since I know we're, this is an interview of like innovation within the classroom, I was thinking of it secondly in terms of like the classroom setting and because I'm both a student and a teacher I feel like I pay a lot of attention to how, how I'm valued as a student um, to then sort of frame perhaps how to like define value within the classroom then as a teacher um, if that made sense yeah sorry that's my cat I love it <laughs> Nacelle, can you give an example or how, in what ways can you tell when you're valued as a student in a classroom? Well, for, for me, I uh, immediately think of like my learning style. For example, I tend to be the type of student that, you know, freaks out when gets called on, um, is probably the most shy in a classroom discussion, but I know I'm being attentive. I like have preferences in the classroom activities and all of that. But at the same time, I'm paying attention to when I see people like really respond to activities that might not be the easiest 
for me. So I try to see how like those students also benefit because then as a teacher in the classroom, I don't want to just favor the activities that are comfortable for me when I know that there are other students that might also benefit from activities that might not be as comfortable for me. I don't know, I guess I'm just observing a lot in the classroom to um, help me like make better decisions as a teacher, like learn as I go pretty much mm -hmm. through observing. That makes a lot of sense. I like that Milo is here. <laughs> he tried to jump and then was hanging in the midst of that conversation because the jump failed and so that was what was happening cat friends that's lovely yeah I mean that that got us kind of to our second question um but Rosa are there ways or Nacelle too um experiences that you've had in a class where you can tell that your values are on display or maybe like that the teacher has the same values as you do or you've seen things that you valued in a classroom there are lots of ways to answer that I think one for me especially lately um but but it's been consistent through my educational experience I think just the pandemic has brought it out even more is that um creating space for not only creating lists of like community values, but actually consistently returning to and attending to them. So, you know, I've, I've been in spaces where there's a lot of talk about alternative learning styles amidst pandemic. And then those are then thrown out the window in the classroom environment. And then I've also been in classroom environments where there's a lot of participation and constructed space for participation and vocalizing of like, different learning experiences, different learning styles and practices and how we interweave those into our community values. And then that's like returned to throughout the course and there's space for that. So like, I, you know, I can see myself and fellow learners feeling more comfortable, like setting up boundaries or practicing our own educational values and having those respected in the space as opposed to like more performative value construction. Um, so I think that's where I've seen it come out more recently, which isn't an instructor mirroring my values, but like creating space for alternative values to be respected, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like the instructor might have certain expectations or values about participation or ways of being in class, but opening up space to have conversations about community values and then returning to them is, is a way of not just having one value set. Is that right? Yeah, and then like identifying, right, that they're un like an instructor's understandings and values around participation and then what's vocalized in the community values from the class, right, might look really different. And so like actual intentional reflection on like space creation. So like the instructor coming back and being like, okay, so how then do we create space? Like how do I, as an instructor with a different power dynamic in this class, right, create space then to hear and actually implement strategies for like alternative forms of participation, right? So like, it's almost the like classroom equivalent to like understanding that because people have different values and ways of being to not necessarily immediately take those personally, right? So like if someone doesn't participate in the same ways that you view participation, 
that inherently doesn't result in points being docked or forced participation, right? So understanding that there's more going on. Um, yeah, and I think that sometimes that's a perform like a very static initial activity is community values. Um, but the re reflective part is trying to actually incorporate space for difference, which I mean, I think I've tried to do in my own, like, I think I experienced it as a student, which then informs my experience as a first year writing instructor too, right? Where it's like, okay, but there's so many times where like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, I'm now performing this element that I see my students doing, right? Where it's like, maybe they're not reading fully because there's so much going on. And it's like, I see myself doing that in class. And then there's like, okay, so I asked in my graduate class for different ways of participation to be honored and respected. So then how do I then take that back to my own class and also create space for that? Yeah, and that transition is really an interesting one going from student to instructor, right? Um, especially in terms of value. I remember when I did that too, uh, I think one of the biggest pitfalls as instructors, especially initially, is we tend to project our learning experience and our styles onto other students. Um, and again, that's just what we know um, and that's how we have to grow. Um, but that's one of the hard thing with values is even from the, the beginning, we started with this question, what's value? And Rose was like, oh, I need more context. Like, I could never answer that. Like, you got to tell me. And Nacelle, I actually like that you talked about, you know, color theory, because mm -hmm. that's the other side where there's like a scientific black and white, like, hey, there's like actual like number values placed to these things. And, and we can look at that even if we don't understand it right now. Um, but that's a lot easier to talk about than value because it, it's very nebulous and it's very different to every person. Um, so what advice would you give, it could be to students, it could be to instructors, but, and we've talked about it a little bit about opening up space to honor values, um, but it is really hard. Like if I say, Hey, I'm going to build my course and I, and these are the values that I want to kind of hold, um, like how do we do that well to incorporate different learners? Nacelle, you said, hey, I don't want to be called on. So like, <laughs> I imagine I'm the same way. So I am really okay with awkward silence in my classes when I'm teaching. Like, I'm, I don't want to force people to talk. And that really is a projection of myself. Like, I would never be one. I would never want to be in that spot. And so I'll just let a question hang for a couple minutes. And if no one answers, we'll just keep going. Um, but someone else's style might be like, okay, we got to get someone to answer. Um, so how do you, how do you play with those, th that transition? I think for me, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking of a couple of things. Cause like when I started out as an instructor, there was, yeah, some of that like projection of like, I don't want to call out cause that was me as a student and I hated it when teachers did that. But then I was also starting to like navigate how I saw like, how do I say this? Like my institutional value because then I would also hear from students of like, I'm paying for this class. And that's a different type of value <laughs> to have in mind um, and to like navigate community values as well. When I know that from some students, there's that expectation of like, what is my money or my parents' money paying for? Um, and so that also affects like 
how I approach assignments and, and all of this other stuff, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's so murky. And I try to still center it from like a community perspective of value, especially during these times where I feel like we're all like in our separate rooms and are on our own laptops. Like how do I express that value of community, even though everyone <laughs> Um, everyone is pretty much dispersed so yeah I don't know because it like it has been a year but I also feel like in answering this question it's like doing that compare and contrast of like before the pandemic here's what value was and with the pandemic here's what value is and but we we might go back in person so what is value gonna be then and so I same with Rosa I'm like with once I start thinking of context I there's my mind goes value in watercolor <laughs> like it just goes blank <laughs> well is this your your first year sorry Shana. no 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 this is my first year teaching nacelle's been teaching for well almost four years now okay so nacelle's uh, seen that transition but rosa like hey you're teaching now happy <laughs> online life and you're like is this wait what did i sign up for i would not uh uh I mean, my students would not have a functioning classroom without this all. So I'm very like grateful to have a colleague that's given me so many resources amidst pandemic. I honestly think though, it's weird to be like teaching online as a first year teacher, but at the same time, I think, you know, when we talk about context and we talk about value even, right? Like, I don't know. I have my own experience as a student learner in a physical classroom, but I haven't taught, I don't have experience teaching in a physical classroom, right? Like a physical in-person classroom. And so I actually think transitioning online then, um, because there's not a transition spatially for me, it's just a transition into teaching has been smoother than say, you know, the experience of Nacelle who had taught for three years in an in-person classroom, right? transitioning online like that I think is a rupture that I've seen like colleagues that have that experience teaching right doing so much work and then laying the groundwork for (laughs) new teachers like myself this year right who weren't teaching last spring when there was an immediate transition online right like laying all this groundwork having the experience of teaching in-person classes and bringing that to conversations around online learning whereas for me I'm like as student experiences and that doesn't initially or immediately translate to teaching experiences online. Yeah, and I think for me, like thinking of that rupture now, it's like letting go of some of the values I had in person because I miss that interaction. And because I miss that interaction, I also hear from some students say like, I wish I was interacting with my classmates, but then um, my class is asynchronous. So I know I also have other students that are pretty much approaching this like an online class. They don't want that interaction. (laughs) Um, So then I have to like rethink, okay, like how can I communicate like these like spatial values to, to like an online class so that they're still thinking of community even as we're all online, uh, but without getting that interaction. Um, So it just gets tricky sometimes and trying not to like, well, trying to, not pull in so much stuff from like the in-person classroom just because I'm comfortable with it. Uh, yeah. 
But also there's moments that have informed me like two as an online instructor and only online instructor. Like I carry with me continuously, like your reflection of like, remember they don't have five minutes after class, right? Where your class breaks out and there's a five minute, 10 minute transition period where some people can mingle and ask you questions. They don't have that. And so what does that then what might you be seeing in your online chat, um, like chats on Microsoft Teams or like their responses to announcements that are a an approach to constructing that five minutes in between classes, right? And I've never experienced like having students wait after class in a physical classroom, right, to ask questions. So it was such a thoughtful way of both contextualizing communication practices of my students and also looking forward, how can I create that additional space? So I think in some ways, yes to what you're saying, then yes, and like you also bring a lot of really thoughtful reflection because you've had experience teaching in another medium and space. Do you think that the things that you value as a student are the same things that you value as an instructor? Or are there differences there? Like I think about myself as like, I know I'm in good company with introverts here and I'm really quiet in class, but even as a teacher in an in-person classroom, sometimes I really crave that what feels like lively discussion, but actually probably like 10% of the class is participating. So I have to remind myself in my instructor role that like me having a conversation with like four of the 10 or 15 students doesn't necessarily mean that like that's helpful for everyone else so that's one example where like I have to I appreciate that my student experience feels different than my instructor experience because then I can sort of balance the two like oh I don't I don't need to have in-person discussion is only one type of learning I think that like when I sit, like I guess what I'm reflecting on is like what do I like you know I do like a lot of prep on weekends right and like do I sit down in my prep for FYW and go, okay, let me reflect on my experience as a student and then do it. And I don't, right? Like I first just think through, I think the most immediate way as we're like all students, like inside or outside of academia, right? Like just being curious, like the intuitive way that my student practices inform my teaching are the ways in which I engage learning of the content itself, right? Because I'm learning this curriculum this year for the first time, right? I am like a student of the curriculum as well. So the ways in which I teach myself, you know, the five core projects for the first year writing, like I, I'm sure then influence in the way that I'm learning from those influence the way that I'm teaching them, right? But I also don't sit down and when I'm constructing intentionally my course schedule, reflect on my experiences as a learner. Because, right, just like you're saying, right, there's so many different learners in the classroom, and that's an exciting thing. And I try and rein in my own understandings of what learning looks like, because it emerges so differently across the writing of others. Um, but at the same time, I think the, the one way in which I continuously see that is probably just my own learning as a new teacher of the curriculum, right? And that, of course, is always already informing then how I'm teaching it. Um, and my appreciation of community values and practices. I think that's the only other thing where I'm like, time to complete things, time. <laughs> so I feel like for me to note, I think of like a lot of the times uh, when like Rosa has like her learning questions, it's also a moment for me to like stop and reflect on something that I have 
taught before because then her questions give me a different perspective on something that I've taught to different students. Um, and then I'm thinking of like, huh, I hadn't seen it that way, which just helps my mind to just continually like complicate these assignments and, and try to change them. I mean, we designed our own like little thing <laughs> um, with our own reflections and questions that we had about the assignment. So I think that's at least, uh, it's been fun. <laughs> Because yeah, I think, I think for me, sometimes, let's see, when we went online, that was the second time I was teaching that curriculum. So I was getting into a groove, like I at least knew what to expect. And then we went online and I'm like, grades don't matter. <laughs> like, just get stuff in. Um, and then knowing that we were going to be online this year too, that's when we really started. And it was for Rosa's first year teaching. And it was like this space for, for me to like, think of the, the context differently. Like, okay, these are new students who didn't get to like graduate high school. They, from what I gathered, don't really feel confident in writing because their classes just stopped um, their senior year. So I've gotten a lot of like those anxieties from them. And so because it's like a, you know, writing 101 class, like what it is, like that space of like, welcome to college writing, but let's do all this stuff to, to make sure that you feel confident in in using the tools that we're like teaching you to like research, to ask questions, to do all this other stuff. Um, that, I don't know, having someone to work with who's like uh, starting out and asking all of these different questions was like very helpful for me to also help like my framing of the curriculum and values. Yeah. All, of, all of last semester, it was like tears of learning. Like I was teaching my students and then I was continually reflexively coming back to the cell and I was like, can you explain the core values of both this class? Like what are our learning goals in this project? I was like, this is, I, I'd get in the thick of it, right? Like we'd be halfway through project one or halfway through project two. And I'd be like, I am once again in a very muddy place as to where we've <laughs> where we started with our learning goals, where we are now, can you like, and we just do continual regrounding, which is really cool, right? So it's like tears of learning and student, like they're, they're very intertwined in that as a really cool experience. Yeah, and I'm like drawing, not just from like this curriculum, but I'm drawing from like past curriculums um, and being like, here's what I learned my first year and here's what I learned my second year and here's what worked and here's what didn't. That doesn't mean it might work here, but this might be an idea we can like try out. Um, and so I feel like I've relied more on like the past experience with other curriculums over like my experience as a student. Uh, my experience as a student, I think comes in in terms of like learning styles and like accessibility because that's where I feel pressure as a student. Like if I see a syllabus that says like, you know, we value community and all this stuff, but then it's like all of these assignments that you got to turn, uh, I'm thinking of like, like long writing assignments that are really not considering like student schedule, um, stuff like that. 
But I'm like, if it's in your syllabus, but then through word of mouth, we're going to value community, then I'm very confused. Um, Because why not just write it in the syllabus uh, from the get-go? So I think that those are the main moments when my experience, like as a student, starts to value, uh, starts to like, sorry, the word of the day, Um, (laughs) starts to like... uh, help me reflect on on who I am as a teacher. Yeah, I think one of the main takeaways that I'm kind of getting from you, from both of you, is you share this kind of story. And at first, Rosa, I thought you were talking about tears, as in like T-E-A-R-S, like <laughs> just shedding tears of learning. Like, what am I doing? Probably it, both. Probably <laughs> both, honestly. <laughs> On the down low. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we. yeah, we're talking about tears, but we're also talking about tears, right? Um, but no, that, because they're shared, right? And so as we've been exploring value and really centering ourselves as instructors on what do students value i think it's really important to have other people that we're building with Um, and i've helped a lot of faculty members um, through this transition and there really is a marked difference between those who are trying to go at it alone versus those who have a community kind of practice too Um, and so I think there, there's a lot of value there that we, we haven't really been, we haven't been looking at so much. Um, so I really like that perspective that you guys have, have brought. Yeah, having colleagues is amazing user testing because like you were saying, like to understand where someone else might get stuck in an assignment that I wouldn't have anticipated is so helpful. And I think that is something that is like such an affordance of grad school in the humanities because it's so cohort focused. And then I think once you leave and are in a faculty position, if you go that more traditional route, you faculty aren't necessarily taught to collaborate in that way or like it's not rewarded in the same way. Um, So I do think grad school is really unique in that regard. And there's such a dual position of grad students, my own experience and then working with TAs, like teaching is so overwhelming, but I really think grad students are such good teachers because of what you're naming, like you're close to that student experience still. So you value things that you value as a student. And I think that can get farther and farther away as we get further away from having been a student. So I think that's interesting. Like, I might have had the least experience when I first started teaching, not might, definitely. I definitely had the least experience, but I also was ready to continually change my practice. And I think that's something that is really important not to lose. Any final thoughts or questions or advice that you might give to instructors or students in thinking about value? there's no objective, right? So like everything is going to be from our own subjective experiences as teachers. So how do we be intentional and thoughtful about that? I think is the key way if we're thinking about values, right? I like that. Same thing. I agree. I have nothing to say. <laughs> but you know what? It's the past year where we've collaborated and come up yeah. with that <laughs> collective statement. Yeah. That's no, that's great. And I think that is one of the the scary things as people try to like oh, I'm going to let values inform my teaching. 
that's scary, right? It is subjective. It's not easy. Um, so just having that from the, I liked how you were talking about Rosa, like you get halfway through an activity and you're like, why am I here? What am I doing? <laughs> um, it happens to all of us, but even once we think about values and what we create for people, you, there comes a moment. I've had a couple this semester, last semester where I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I even teaching? Who am like this, this, <laughs> and I have to kind of talk myself back down into reality and like, okay, this is hard, but we're going to keep going. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of reward to that. Very resonant. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today and sharing your experience.